Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. All right, all right, all right. How many guys are excited for Church in the Movies, huh? Let's put our hands together. And uh, hey, I know we just clapped, but let's give it up for our creative and our production team who do a phenomenal job all the time, man. You guys are awesome. So we appreciate you guys. And listen, Church of the Movies is going to be amazing, all right? And so my challenge to you guys is for the next four weeks, invite someone. We're going to help you out on social media, um, but I already have about a dozen friends of mine that don't go to church anywhere. And I don't know about you, when I grew up in church, I was not bringing friends, all right? Because you didn't know what was going to pop off on a Sunday morning, all right? So like, Someone, you know, is the flag coming? You know, is someone getting, how does this work? And uh, so growing up in church, I was always terrified to invite my friends. But all I know, at TC, I think every Sunday is a safe Sunday to bring a friend. But the next four Sundays are going to be particularly amazing because we are going to have, uh, like we have talked about earlier, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man, Black Panther. And if you're not a superhero fan, don't worry. We're going to give an altar call later and you might be able to meet Jesus. But uh But we also are going to have Home Alone 2 as the first Sunday in December. So it's going to be a really, really good time. So here's my challenge to you. We're going to help you out by we're going to post stuff on social media. You can share it and tag some of your friends and invite on Facebook and Instagram, some stuff on Twitter. So feel free to do that. And in addition to that, we have invite cards in our lobbies. Grab someone or grab some so that you can invite someone to an amazing day. It's going to be a great time. So uh, I'm super, super pumped about church at the movies. We were already filming for it and getting everything ready. It's going to be a good time. All right. So let's get into what we have for today. Part four of our Authentic Flourishing series. And uh, part four today is called What's in Your Box? Turn your neighbor and say, what's in your box? All right. So uh, I remember when I was getting ready uh, to propose to Ashley, my wife, who is amazing. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She is the love of my life. And she's cowering behind a computer right now. So none of you can see her. So, but I remember I was getting ready to propose to her and, uh, fellas that have gotten engaged or gotten married. How many guys know you go to pick out the ring, but you're not really picking out the ring. You're just picking up the ring, right? So they tell you uh, what color, what cut, what kind of gold, what kind of like, they already know what they want. You're just going to pick up whatever it is that they want, right? And, um, so I remember like there's, there's this anticipation for the buildup, right? So she communicated her desires and what she wanted. She had built everything up. So then the question starts coming in, like, when is it going to happen, right? And for some of you ladies, like, it happened about six months later than I thought it should have, but, you know, whatever. But there's this thing of, like, when is it going to happen? Where is it going to happen? Where is the question going to get asked? Who's going to be there? And all these things. And my wife, my wife made it incredibly difficult for me. Because she started giving me this list of names of all the people she wanted in the room when I proposed to her. I think there's two different, times of, two, two different types of women out there. The women who want no one around when they get proposed to. And then there's the type of woman that wants everyone around whenever they get proposed to. My wife gave me a list of, and so this list, and I felt like it was like a scroll list. Like, there's a hundred names on here. Like, how do I get all of them in the same room at the same time? 
Furthermore, <laughs> these people don't hang out with each other. So it's going to be obvious whenever all of them are in the same room. So I went to her, uh, and we finally got everyone in the same room on the same day. I got down on one knee. I asked my amazing wife to marry me. And, uh, yeah, she's amazing. And so all so many years later, she's in the balcony. You can look at it right now if you want to and make it as awkward as possible. <laughs> She'll greatly appreciate it. So, yeah, you can give it up for my wife. You can do that. All right, let's, uh, Ashley. I'll pay for that later. All right, so the question in, that I have for you today is, is what's in your box? Because at the end of the day, when I went to ask her to marry me, what did not matter, what, it, it kind of came down to the only thing that mattered, I should say, what was what was in the box. You guys with me? Like all that stuff aside that she wanted and, and maybe even a different ring that she had picked out, what mattered, what was in the box. You all with me today? And so my question is, what's in your box? And, and I wanna, I'm, we're going to do a little bit different style than what maybe you guys may be used to out of me today. Because we're going to teach a little less and preach a little more. Is that okay today? All right. Are you guys with us today? All right. So let's, let's jump into what we have. Because I believe that God, God's desire in each one of our lives is to, to a degree, to break down this consumeristic type of mentality that most of us as believers have bought into, which is that it's about me and it's about my wants and it's about my needs and my desires. And God is here to meet my wants, my needs, and my desires. In reality, God has a plan and a purpose. And so when people quote the scripture that God knows the desires of our hearts and he wants to give us our desires, in reality, what God wants to do is morph our desires into his desires for us. And as he morphs his desires for us into our desires, then what happens is we start to take on the heart and the nature of God. And as we do that, we start to plug into what God wants for us. All right. And so as we plug into what God wants for us, what we do is we have looked into the heartbeat and the life of a life that is laid down for the gospel and what God wants. All right. So turn to your neighbor and say what God wants. All right. So Ephesians 3.20, let's jump into what we have for today. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Turn to your neighbor and say immeasurably more. <laughs> to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Then we go to Psalms uh, 35.27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Yeah, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the, what's that word? Prosperity of his servant. So what I want to talk to you about today is what's in your box. John 12, 1 through 8. Uh, we looked at this verse last week, but I want to resurface it for what we're talking about today. So let's go through this story. Six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. And he was the one that Jesus raised from the dead. There they had a dinner for Jesus. Martha served the food. And if you, usually if you ever see Martha in the scripture, she's always serving the food, right? And how many of you ladies are like the, the hostess with the mostest type people? Like you, just, you're ready, you want everyone to have a good time. When they come over, you're not, you're, you're not even enjoying your own party. You're just here to throw one for everyone else, right? Cindy, my sister, she's like that. She'll come over. We all, like, she cooks. We all start eating, and she instantly starts cleaning while we're eating. Like, I, we always ask her, like, do you even like people coming over? Because all you do is work the whole time. 
So very similar to Martha. So Martha's doing what she always does. She's serving the food, and Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. Pick it up at verse 3. Mary brought in a pint of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet with her hair. And the sweet smell of the perfume filled the whole house. Then Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' followers who would later turn against him. How many of y'all got some Judases in your life? Okay, so, I was just kidding. All right, don't, don't point at them right now while they're in the room. That's not a good idea. <clears throat> Judas said the perfume was worth an entire year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? But Judas didn't really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. Say thief. Mm, thief. He was the one who kept the money box. Say money box. And he stole from it, right? Verse 7, Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was right for her to save this perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. So in this story, we have Jesus in the room with four people. We have Martha, we have Lazarus, we have Mary, and we have Judas. Now, there probably was more, but these are the only ones that the Bible is specific about in this passage that says that they were in the room. So what happens is they come into the room, and two specific people that I want to point out to you today showed up with a box. We have Mary, who showed up with her box, and we have Judas, who showed up with his, right? Now, we have two boxes, and we have two hearts, because Judas is coming in with a heart of greed. Like he's coming in, he wants everything for himself, and we see that as evidence through his box. But then we see Mary, and Mary has a heart of generosity. She has a heart of gratitude. She's coming in with her box. She's looking to give, and Judas is looking to get, right? And so in these boxes, what we want to show you is that each one of us have a box in our life. And the box that is in our life is where we have things that matter the most to us. And because they matter the most to us, they have three things about them that we want to pinpoint today. Because in each one of our lives is the box that we put all the things that matter. It's all the things that are worth something. It's all the things that kind of control our life. It controls how we see life. It controls the, the lens that we view life through and even the lens that we view God through. Our box is all of what matters to our lives. And the thing is, when we are approaching God, when we're approaching Jesus, do we approach him through the box that we're ready to give him something? Or do we only approach him with a box where we're ready to get from him something. And I told you we were going to preach a little bit today, so I might need some help, all right? Where we look to God, are we looking to God to get or are we looking to God to give? The beauty and what we're going to get into in a second is that if we come to God with this mentality that we're here to give, ultimately we end up getting. Because what I believe is going to happen today, if those of us that will grab a hold of this, and I'm, I'm not telling you what to do, I'm inviting you on a journey of doing to join me and my wife and our family and the leadership of this church, that if we can plug into what God is communicating today, that there is a life that is worth laying down for the gospel, that the Bible said that we're supposed to take up our cross, which inevitably means lay down our life, and we're to follow Jesus, that when we lay down our life, when we take up our cross, when we give our life to what God is doing, we actually get far more than we would ever lose. So the first thing out of the three that is in your box is value. 
value. There is value in your box. And so as we look at what Mary did, I want to bring some clarity to Mary's gift to help you understand why Mary brings this box. She brings this gift. So Mary comes in, she pours a perfume on his feet, she dries it with her hair. But what we don't see in this passage, what we haven't read, is Lazarus was raised from the dead. We see that, right? What we don't see is that Mary is Lazarus' sister. So when Mary comes to Jesus, she's coming to him not out of an overwhelming awe of just who Jesus is. She's coming to Jesus with a sense of gratitude for what Jesus did. See, in our lives, I don't know about you and where you've come from, but I don't have to look back very far to see where Jesus brought me from. I can look back and see a life of drugs. I can see a life of alcohol. I can see a life where it was committed to making sure I sabotage as much as my purpose as possible because as long as I was committed to what I was doing then, I didn't have to see what God wanted to do in my life. And so sin consumed me. It consumed my mind. It consumed my heart. And it and inevitably was leading me off track and constantly running my life into the gutter. And then Jesus came along and with mercy and grace brought me from where I was to where I am. And when Jesus came alongside me, he brought the spiritually dead back to life when he resurrected my life. And so what I'm here to tell you is that when Lazarus was in the grave, but then Jesus declared life to his body and he came walking out, there was something in Mary that said, I've got to do something to show Jesus what he means to me. And my question to you is, is your life doing something that says thank you to Jesus? Is there something evident from your bank account to your time, to your talents that God has given you and blessed you in so many ways. And when he says, I want you to give back, that you say, I'm here to give you whatever I've got. Because you've been so good to me. So we find that it's not just about being in awe of Jesus, but the fact that you're sitting in this room means he's been good to you. But then you've got Judas. He's in the same room. He's got his own box. But he is in the room from a sense of greed, thinking that somebody owes him something. When we come to Jesus with this mentality that I know that you didn't have to bring me along, but you did anyways. And even though you brought me along, I'm still going to show you gratitude by stealing from you the thing that you've been so generous to give me to start with. See, for some of us, our life is a reflection of selfish greed, not selflessness. And so we've tried to take all the goodness that God has poured out onto us and we try to use it as leverage to just get more without looking for any opportunity to sacrifice our life. So we find ourselves at a place where two people in the room have boxes, but one of them is getting and one of them is giving. But we see Jesus gives favor to the one that is giving. And my question is, Mary's box, since it had such a high value that it even offended Judas, she was still willing to give it. The question that I have is, would you give up something you considered so valuable in your life 
to show Jesus how grateful you are that you have it to start with? Would you give up the thing that mattered the most to show Jesus how grateful you are to have it? For many, the comfort of being alive is blinding us to the urgency to seeing the dead raised. What I mean by that is this. For some of us, the fact that Jesus has saved us has made us so comfortable in that grace that we no longer see the necessity to go try and see someone else saved. I don't need to witness to them. I'm good. God saved me. Right, with the responsibility to take it to someone else. We cannot grow so comfortable in where we are that we forget that others aren't here yet. So then we have the responsibility to take others from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's why the vision of this house at Transformation Church is to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. But we only do that so that then as we become transformed, we get to take other people from who they are to who God wants them to be. Philippians 3, 7 through 11 says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. So Paul is saying, whatever were gains is now loss. Now keep that in mind as we move through this scripture. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So if he considers them all loss, they are all actually gains. You guys with me? So I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, which means for whose sake I have actually gained all things. You guys with me? So the, the value of knowing Christ is so that you could take the things that you've gained and make them lost so that you could give them back to the Jesus who saved you to start with. I consider them garbage. Say garbage. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Then he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To know Jesus is to see the dead raised. Not literally, or not necessarily literally, but spiritually. To know Jesus is to see the spiritually dead around you raised back to life. When Jesus is so much a part of your life, it should and must, and I dare say, is a requirement that the people around you are becoming brought back to life because of what Jesus did in your life. The evidence of Christ in our life should be so clear that the people around us, their life has changed. I'm going to keep going. The things of this life that we hold on to so closely, so tightly that we would rather have them than surrender them to Jesus are the very things that we worship over Jesus. So my question is, what's in your box? Because whatever you put in your box is the thing you worship over Jesus rather than giving him the box to start with. So when Jesus comes along to us, he says, hey, I want you to give me that. And we say, oh, no, God, this is mine. I can't give this to you. This is mine. See, some of us, some of us are worshiping the job that we work at that God gave us to start with. 
You see, some of us said, God, I really need this. And then when he gave it to us, we allowed the demands of it to take us away from him that he gave to start with. For some of us, we prayed for a kid or children for so long. Now that God is giving them to us, we are replacing him with them. For some of us, we, are, we wanted an education for so long that finally we have gotten the education and now we're using it and we're replacing God with the need of the education. You see, what God gives us is meant to be the supplier of joy to drive us back to him. The very reason God gives is so that in his giving, we can become so stirred with joy and with peace and with excitement that we look back to God saying, God, you didn't have to give me this, but you did. And because you gave me this, I'm bringing back to you everything that I have. When Mary was in the room, she was looking at Jesus saying, you didn't have to raise Lazarus from the dead, but because you did, I'm giving you everything that I've got. And for us, our life should represent the fact that Jesus has done something amazing inside of us. So kids, careers, education, businesses, money, things are all a blessing that in the hands of people that are living completely surrendered to Jesus are able to see those things flourishing as we sacrifice them by giving them back to Jesus. But I don't know about you, sometimes I can tend to be selfish. Now don't poke at your spouse right now because that's not necessary. But I can tend to be selfish. Left to myself and isolated in my control over the things God gives me, I could allow the very blessings I have to become the isolated affections of my worship. In other words, my love for the things that were given to me by Jesus will ultimately lead to me loving them more than I love Jesus. And ultimately our lives can reflect this idea that the things God gave me are more important than the God that gave them to me. So the second thing that is in our box, the first one is value. The second one is glory. Glory. See, God's desire is that he would give us these things. And in giving us these things, we would then marvel in who he is even more. John 12, 25 and 26 says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. I got a buddy of mine. He's a bit of a knucklehead. Any of y'all got some knucklehead friends, right? Okay, I thought so. I got a buddy of mine. He's a bit of a knucklehead, and He's the, he's the type of person, he never gets in trouble because his parents are always saving him from trouble. Y'all know anybody like that? And so not too long ago, he got, he got arrested and uh, something with a teacher and all this other stuff. So he ends up getting arrested and he should have because he was being a knucklehead. So right about the time that, uh, and I'm on Facebook and I see them posting about it. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know that it's right, but it was just where I was at the time. Some sort of joy rose up on the inside of me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever see somebody on Facebook finally getting what you feel like they should have got a long time ago? And there's this sense of joy on the inside of you like, ha, ha. <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I was watching and I was like, oh, he's about to get it. Because he needed to have gotten it five years ago. But in swoops his dad, who is a constant enabler to his problems. 
and inevitably ends up blaming the teacher and blaming the police officer and blaming the attorney and blaming the judge and blaming the court system, which I get all of those things have flaws in them, so do not get me wrong. In this situation, he was getting what he should have got until dad stepped in and stopped him from getting what he should have got. Now, he's never going to understand the consequences of his decisions because he never has to face them. For some of us, because we never face the consequences of our decisions or because we never recognize that they're there, we don't see why life is going the way that it's going. But the reality is, is for many of us, we have set our life up for the destruction that is happening in it. Now, I know this isn't shout you down. Like, I didn't expect a ton of amens at this part, so don't get me wrong. But what I'm telling you is, when the glory of the thing that you're getting becomes your affection rather than the person that's giving it to you, you will lose it. You want to keep your kid close to God? Stop worshiping the kid and start worshiping the God that gave him or her to you. And then you will see that kid connect to God because of your connection to God. Don't worship time with your kids. Worship time with God with your kids so that your kids learn what worshiping God looks like, not what worshiping them looks like. So that when the time comes that they need to understand what worship looks like, they start worshiping the real thing, not the fake thing, because you showed them the wrong thing the whole time. And that ain't even my notes. That's free. Y'all can have that. But we have to put glory in its right place. When we start worshiping the things, we ultimately lose them. Now, I'm not saying this is universal, what I'm about to say, but it is real. The reason why many believers, kids aren't in church anymore is because they sacrificed church for the kids. Raise them up in the Lord, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. So, you want to instill the value of your faith into your kids? Don't force feed them religion. Display for them relationship with a Savior who died for them. Now, move that glory onto every other area of your life that you may worship more than you worship God. Because it may not be your kids, it may be your money. It may be your job. I can't do this because of my job. I can't do that because of my job. I can't go to small groups because of my job. I can't serve on the dream team because of my job. I can't go to grow track because of my job. I can't even go to church because of my job. I can't build relationships. I can't be discipled. I can't even help get other people saved because of my job. You might need to find a new one. Because one day all of this is going to pass away. And all you're going to have is what's connecting you to the Father. So don't sacrifice what's connecting you to the Father for the sake of all of this. Because one day all of this is gone. So I have a little thing I wanted to <clears throat> show you guys to help you see. Some of my friends are going to come on stage. Come on up, guys, those of you that are out and about. Give them a round of applause as they make their way up here. Appreciate them. And so I'm going to give each one of them a box. We're talking about what's in your box, right? So you guys can come right out here. I'm going to give each one of them a box. So Neil, Ashley, Justin, each one of them a box. Now, one of the reasons, because I want to talk, we're talking about a flourishing life, right? So the whole part of this series, the whole general idea is authentic flourishing. And so I want to help show you how you can live an authentically flourishing life with whatever's in your box. Are you with me? 
So the first part of having a box is not getting upset that your box is smaller than someone else's box. See, sometimes you don't even get to start living a blessed and flourishing life because you keep comparing what you don't have to what other people do have. So you're looking around like, how come they got a bigger box? How come they, well, guess what? They were more faithful with the smaller box, so they got the bigger box. And as long as you're complaining about the box you don't have, you're not doing the right thing with the box that you do have. So here we have it. That's why I always give Justin the smallest box because he's a pastor and I can, I can do that, right? So the question that I have for you three is if you want to follow me and trust me, all you have to do is give me your box and you can follow me and trust me. You good for that? The three, actually the three of you. No, Justin. So Justin's going to hold on to his box, right? Because Justin's afraid if I give this box up, what happens? So they're going to follow me. Come on, Neil. Come on, Ashby. But because they've trusted me with these boxes, the small boxes, the little that they've have, right? I'm not only going to give what they gave back to me, I'm actually going to give them some bigger boxes, right? So, and if you see, the bigger boxes are enough to fit their little boxes in. So when God, when we give to God what we have, now in turn, you guys can step right out here for me. Now in turn, what we're able to do, God starts blessing us to the extent that we can take the little bit that we sown and we can fit that into the more that he's given us. So my question is, do you guys want to give me that box and follow me again? Neil, Neil says no. Ashley says yes. Because here's what happens for a lot of us. And I'm guilty of this. So this isn't me pointing a finger. This is us talking about how we can live the flourishing life. For some of us, we gave a little. And when God gave back to us, we were like, oh, I think I'm going to hang on to this. But can I tell you something? That there are layers to God's generosity in your life to live a flourishing life. So Neil got over here. He said, no, I think I'm liking where I sit. I'm, I, I'm good where I'm sitting right now. The thing is, is if God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, how much more can he give those who are faithful to the work? So Ashley says, I want to give you this. But Neil says, I think I want to keep this. What Neil doesn't know is that just what he gave isn't all that he has because there's a better life. So I'm going to give this back to Ashley because because Ashley was faithful to give me that box, I now have an even bigger box that she can have, right, that she gets to walk with. And guess what fits inside the bigger box? Both blessings in her life. You see, when you commit to a life that enables you to give to God all that you have, I'm not talking about emptying out your bank account. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you come in and you say, God, I'm giving you my life. And if that means you call me to give $50 to so-and-so today, I'm gonna give $50 to so-and-so. I'm gonna give my tithes. But if you call me to give this much money to the secret place so we can help get women out of human trafficking, I'm gonna do that. If you call me to give this to build houses in Peru, I'm gonna do that. If you call me to give this so that we can plant more churches around America so that the hope of Jesus can get declared in more cities, I'm gonna do that. I'm committing to giving you my box. But if you don't start with this, you never get to that. You see, the thing is, we start looking around at the Joneses. I mean, the Joneses got that big old box. Can't believe God keeps blessing them. That's because they gave the little box away. They said, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. But when you trust them with this, then he gets to give you that. 
But if you'll trust him with that, then he can give you this. And then the Bible says that in Malachi that he'll overflow what you have so much so that you can't even contain it that there's a box you can't even hold in your hand. There is a life that you could live that's so much bigger than and better than everything you could think or imagine. It's available to you, but you gotta start by giving the little box. And again, let me help you for some of you who are misconstruing what I'm telling you, I am not talking about money, I'm talking about your life. But inevitably for some of you, your life is your money. You're worshiping your finances more than you're worshiping your God. And for you, I am talking to you about your money. Not all of it, but to be obedient to what God says to do with it. I'll never stand in this pulpit and tell you how much money to give. I will unapologetically stand in this pulpit and tell you to ask God how much you should give and listen to what he says. Some of us have been looking at people living like that and wondering why we can't do anything about this. You wanna know how you grow this? Give it away, give it away. You say, Pastor, I don't have enough. He can take care of that for you. Be faithful what he's given you. For some of you, it's not even financial, it's emotions. For some of you, you've been so broken by past relationships. This is all the emotional stability that you have right here. And the fact that you're gonna let God even into your emotional place where you're gonna start to worship him from an emotional and spiritual standpoint, not just a physical spiritual standpoint. The fact that you're gonna even connect to God that way terrifies you because you don't feel like you've got enough left in the box. I'm here to tell you that if you'll give him this, he can grow it to that. And if you'll give him that, he can grow it to that. That the person that hurt you so long ago doesn't have to be the person that controls you if you'll just give them the box. Every part of your life is something that God can do something amazing with, but you got to give them the box. Some of you, some, some of you skipped out on serve day because of a football game and you missed the opportunity to make an impact in somebody's life, but you want to, you want to know why nobody's witnessing to your cousin because you didn't witness to somebody else's. Didn't think I'd get a lot on that one. For some of us, we just had trunk or treat. And some of you couldn't do trunk or treat because you wanted to take little Johnny or little Susie trick or treating, not realizing you could take Johnny and Susie next year and the year after and the year after and the year after and the year after. But this year, we had an opportunity to make an impact on 200 teenagers' lives, to see them transform from who they are to who God wants them to be, to see Jesus bring them back to life. And we said no, because we'd rather make sure we get 56 Kit Kats for Johnny. Now I'm not beating you up. What I'm telling you is, we gotta shift our thinking because if we are in this room, we're already walking blessed. What could we do with our life if we started saying, you know what, God? I know it's not a lot. Mary came in there. She said, God, I know it's not a lot, but it's all I got. But I'm gonna give it to you anyways. I know for some people it's worth a lot. For, for me, it's it's all the value that I have, but I'm gonna give it to you anyways, because I'm grateful for what you did in my life. Because at the end of the day, value is in your box, glory is in your box, and number three, lastly, is purpose is in your box. Purpose is in your box. God has something he wants to do with this. God has something he wants to do with your life. 
God has something he wants to do with your kids. God has something he wants to do with your finances, with your job, with your employment, with your career, with your education, with everything that you have. God has something he wants to do with all of that, but you gotta surrender it to him. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in that one that they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless someone is sent? How beautiful are the feet are the ones that bring the good news. In other words, the Bible is saying how amazing and how blessed and how glorious are the people that bring the gospel. Psalms 112.1 says, praise the Lord. Blessed or blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commandments. What are the commands of God? He said, love one another. How you love each other will show the world that I'm inside of you. They'll show the world that I'm your savior. So how you love, what else did he say? He said, go preach the gospel to every person you can find. Preach the gospel about the hope that is found in Jesus. And then in Matthew, he said, make disciples of all the nations. God's commandment, Jesus' commandment is to love, preach the gospel, make disciples. 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 There's a blessed life that waits for all of us when we fall in line with the commandments that God has for us. Blessed, which is in your notes, uh, the word uh, that translated to blessed is the word barakah, which, which means that we are kneeling under the open hands of God when he lets go of the blessing and the flourishment that is available to you. And he doesn't let go reluctantly, he lets go completely. In other words, he's going to flood your life with blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to sign up for that chapter. But how do we get there? Psalms 112, blessed are those who fear the Lord and find delight in his commandments. You wanna know how to be financially blessed? Give, then love, preach the gospel, make disciples. You wanna know how to ensure your children end up where they're supposed to? Love, preach the gospel, make disciples. You wanna know how to ensure that your life is on the trajectory that God wants for it? Love, preach the gospel, make disciples. Why? Because for a life that has been given so much value, we should in turn find ourselves so overwhelmed by gratitude that we must specify its purpose to honor Jesus. I'll go back to the story with Ashley. When I got ready to propose to her, it was finally time, the day came. And so I, I remember walking in that room and she had all the things that she wanted. But in the moment that I actually proposed, guess how much of it mattered? None of it. You wanna know what mattered? What was in the box? She didn't care about who was there. She didn't care about, she wouldn't even have cared. I could have proposed to her with a ring from a Cracker Jack box. She'd have said yes. She'd have thrown it at me later, but then she'd have said yes then. You wanna know why? Because what mattered was the promise in the box, not the substance of the box. Can I tell you something today? What matters? What are you gonna do with your life and the value 
the glory and the purpose that God has put in it? Are you gonna honor him with it? With the promise to say, God, I'm giving you my everything? Or are you gonna keep it? But if you keep it, you don't get the benefits of the promise. If you give it away, you get to watch God open the hands of blessing in your life. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us as a church, God, to come to you, to look to you, God, to be our everything. God, I thank you, Lord, that even though you've, you've called us and you've declared to us and you've brought us to a place, God, where you've blessed us, God, I pray you waken our spirit to the realization that everything we have is so that we can in turn be a blessing to someone else. And so God, we come to you and we look to you and we thank you, God, that you are decreeing a blessed life, a flourishing life to us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I, I am with you. I wanna live that flourishing life. I want to live that blessed life. The reality is, I don't know that my life belongs to Jesus. You see, to follow, to give him that box, to give him your life, isn't just a matter of your finances or your prayers or going to church on Sunday. Giving him your box, giving him your life is actually a matter of surrender. And for some of you, God, right now, there's, there's something on your inside, there's something in your heart that's telling you where you are isn't right, but God wants to take you to where he wants you to be. He wants you to give you his life, give him your life. And as you surrender your life to Jesus, he wants to make great things out of it. And maybe you're in this room and you're saying, God, I've tried it my way and I'm tired of trying it my way. I've messed enough things up, but I'm ready to do it your way. I'm ready to follow you and I'm ready to give him my life. The beauty of the gospel is this, that when Jesus went to the cross, he died, he paid the price for all your mistakes, all your sins, all the things you've ever done wrong today to receive forgiveness for those sins, all you have to do, the Bible says, is we repent, which means we turn away from our sin, never to go back, but then we put our faith in him. That when he went to the cross, he paid for my sins. And if that's you today, you wanna apply that grace. You wanna see Jesus transform your life. You wanna surrender to God one last time, once and for all, and commit to following him with your whole life. With no one looking around, I'm not gonna to come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out, I just wanna pray for you. You say, that's me, Pastor, I wanna give God my life. Would you raise your hand right where you sit? Say, that's me, Pastor, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, hands are going up. You can put them down once you put it up. Like I said, I'm not here to embarrass you. We want to celebrate and pray with you today. Are there more that says, that's me, Pastor, I'm ready to give God my life, I'm ready to follow him, I'm ready to surrender and I'm ready for him to take control. Maybe you're watching us online right now. You're saying, that's me, Pastor. Here's what we're gonna do. We wanna pray a prayer together. This prayer doesn't make you saved. What it's doing is putting words to the actions that you're committing in your heart. And so the whole church is gonna pray it with you. So let's pray it all together, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death and through your resurrection, I can be saved. 
So I give you my life. I give you the box. I surrender to you. Make great things out of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps the very first time. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.